This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. Warfighting is one of the military concepts taught here at the Naval Academy. In this conversation, we'll talk about what does it mean to be a warfighter and the moral challenges of modern war. My guest is a fellow Stockdale Center colleague, Captain Frank Frankie, United States Navy, is currently the Deputy Director of Ethics at the Stockdale Center and is the Senior Naval Special Warfare Representative at the Naval Academy. He's got an impressive list of accomplishments in service. Most recently, he served as the commander of the Joint Special Operations Task Force, Arabian Peninsula. He's participated in joint combined special operations in Asia, Latin America, Africa, and he's deployed extensively on contingencies and named operations in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Kuwait, Somalia, Kenya, the list goes on. Captain Frank Frankie, welcome to Radio Stockdale. Thanks, Michael. It is an absolute privilege uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you all. We're going to talk about embracing and managing risks. But before we do that, let's talk about you a little bit. You've been at the Stockdale Center for over a year now. What's your main role and how'd you get here? As the Deputy Director here at the Stockdale Center, I see having different roles. Uh, first and foremost is being able to provide the team here with the best military advice that I can in the matters of yeah, legal development in its application into the warfighter role. And so that takes different lines of effort, whether it's consulting, facilitating, you know, networking, looking at what the practical application is for legal development, you know, through our influence to influencer uh, line of effort, the research and innovation uh, that takes place uh, within our center, which you are part of, and also the external outreach uh, with other Navy communities and interagency organizations. And so bottom line is uh, supporting the effort down and in and up and out, down and in on the leader development efforts for our brigade of midshipmen and up and out with other uh, Navy communities, in particular, Naval Special Warfare community, uh, which is a community I've served for for the last 33 years. Everyone's unique, but we're privileged to have you, especially with your background. Where'd you start out? The story takes us back to Columbia, South America. Uh, where I grew up. I was, uh, again, privileged to have been born here in the United States uh, when my parents came here to study. But then they returned back uh, to their hometown, uh, Columbia, and I grew up there, graduated high school, and had the opportunity to uh, experience that culture and that, that very violent scenario that Columbia was in the 80s. In early 90s. And I mentioned the violent scenario because we look at uh, events in life that will transform an individual in, in his or her upbringing. And I believe uh, that that was actually the case for me. So in the 80s, uh, I grew up in Cali and Medellin. And if you uh, Google Cali and Medellin, you'll find out, uh, again, the two cities where the drug cartels were based out of and violence was very prevalent. And the reason I mentioned this is because you very quickly get to appreciate risk, and you also get to appreciate the value of life, both which uh, are very critical components in the decision-making process of a military officer in this day and age. I joined the Navy uh, in 1989. I enlisted. I went to boot camp. I enlisted with the, uh, with the understanding that I wanted to become a Navy SEAL. 
Now, at the time, there wasn't much media or information about Navy SEALs, and that's quite frankly what attracted me to it, that kind of that mysticism behind the community. So six years uh, as an enlisted SEAL, hospital corpsman, uh, and then I transitioned to the officer community through the Seaman Ammo program in 1995, the first uh, the first year what uh, it was started and reinstituted by uh, Admiral uh, Borda. And again, glad to have you here. I've heard you say that as warfighters, we're charged with making decisions and solving hard problems. What do you mean by that? Michael, this goes back to ultimately what is our task and purpose as military officers. For So the young uh, midshipmen, when they join the Naval Academy or any sort of any other accession route, it is important for them to understand what they're really getting into. And in as much as we appreciate you know, their, their commitment to serve the nation, we just want to reiterate uh, what that task and purpose is. And what I would offer is that their purpose, ultimately, is to support and defend the Constitution and defend and protect the homeland, our nation. And so in order to do that, you know, it is very important they realize that they are steward managers of our nation's trust. So take that trust and now let's talk about their task and what makes our midshipmen and any other midshipmen from any other source unique is that they'll graduate with a commission. And that's the distinction. And that, that commission entails, yes, they are going to be leading. Yes, they're going to be making decisions. And all their decisions come with an element of risk. All those decisions are also in support of solving problems and being able to provide options to both the institution and the communities they represent when solving those hard problems. So it's a balance of understanding task and purpose. You know, and this is a, this is a community, this is a profession of arms and a profession where it is expected to understand and manage risk appropriately. Frank, I've heard you talk about this concept of train for certainty and educate for uncertainty. What's the difference there? Let's start first with what's, uh, what the similarities are here. Both training and education are part of a developmental process. Let's talk about, in this case, leader development and what I mean by training and education. And so for training, uh, we say certain, certainty is we are looking at honing in and refining and advancing tactics, techniques, and procedures towards a goal we already understand. We understand what the outcome is going to be. So there's an outcome that is understood in training. I would offer that with education, and especially the way that our profession is, and some of the challenges that are going to be posed, it is uncertain. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know what that outcome is going to be. So it's important to educate, to understand the basics, to be brilliant at the basics, and then be able to apply these skills or, or this knowledge to solve these problems. So that's what I mean by that. I take it very personal sometimes when people talk about training, for example, for ethics. And I cringe a bit because if there's one thing I really, really appreciate about the way the Naval Academy teaches its any uh, 2 or 3 course is the fact that we are educating our midshipmen and providing them a framework by which they can actually make decisions in the moral realm. We don't tell them what to think, but why and how to process the information in order to make a decision. You know, I like where you're going with this. Um, any 203, of course, is the uh, sophomore youngster ethics course. Let me break it back down or ask you to break it down for my Marine Corps brain here. 
I would train on how to assault an objective. Let's say it's a hill, right? I train to attack the hill. I know what the hill looks like. I know what the terrain is. I know who my people are. So I train for that. What's the education part of that? What's the uncertainty? I, I can imagine a lot of uncertainty. Help me out there. Yeah, the uncertainty, you know, I would, I would introduce this quote that I, you know, that we often uh, bring into the equation is that, hey, your enemy, the enemy or your adversary always has a vote. You don't know how the enemy is going to respond to your attack uphill. But if you understand, if you educate yourself on the tactics, the techniques and procedures of the enemy, uh, at the very least, you're going to come up with options to counter uh, your adversary's response. And so it's having that. It's not, you know, clear cut. It's being able to, you know, I would offer that the education is what uh, differentiates a must win versus a no fail mentality in an approach to problem solving. So we both know Admiral Kurt Tidd. In fact, we've had Admiral Tidd on this channel before talking about mission command. My understanding of mission command is to conduct military operations through decentralized execution based upon mission type orders. It's about clear orders from seniors and disciplined initiative from subordinates. Is that how you see it? I do. But uh, when you look at mission command, you know, the three pillars of mission command are commander's intent, understanding, and trust. And so this is where I go back to the importance of trust when it comes to leadership. And this is where leading with character is so important to understand the why behind it. It's beyond doing the right thing. In this profession of arms, leading with character and developing trust, it's what's going to allow for the force to gain credibility up the chain of command to include our civilian leadership. The development of trust is not only up and out, it's more important down and in. And when you can develop trust down and in where you can enroll your force behind the commander's intent and you get that followership, now you're talking about the ability to be autonomous in the execution of your duties. And this autonomy is what you're referring to as decentralized execution. But it's got to be earned, and it's earned through trust. And lastly, what I would say about trust is through that process, when habituated enough in an organization, you create this culture of shared consciousness. And this is where there's alignment with purpose. And that is very important for the execution of mission command. Let me take you back to that word trust. And I want you to tell me the vector you're talking about. Is that trust junior to senior or is it trust senior to junior or is it something else? It's, it's both. That's why I talk about trust down and in. Let's talk about a junior officer, you know, down and in to his force, being trusted by his force. Allow me to introduce uh, what, I, what I would offer are the pillars for developing this trust. And this goes back to character, a leader's character. If we define character as the sum of our virtues for the purpose of, you know, summarizing our virtues, we stick to the stoic carnal virtues of wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice. I would offer that the habituation of these carnal virtues for any individual is going to result in the development of trust. So down and in, you have this junior officer speaking to his force, habituating these virtues, he gets that enrollment. Up and out, what I mean by trust is being able to demonstrate that you understand the intent, that you are aligned. But here's the most important, of, at least for me when I was a commander, is truth to power. When a junior officer was able to execute truth to power, that was, uh, in my opinion, uh, a groundbreaking moment in the relationship between a junior officer 
in his superior officer. And, and, and when we speak of mission command, this brings also uh, to mind the concept of uh, shared accountability, especially as it pertains to the risk that we take in this profession of arms. Accountability very often is associated with a response in a sense of taking care of some negative outcome. And so a person or institution is being held accountable. I'd offer to consider accountability through a very different lens. And I call it the lens of the C's. Courage, care, and there's an element there of commitment uh, when we speak about accountability. Courage is for the individual to exercise that individual courage to hold himself or herself accountable. The caring aspect or the compassion behind accountability has to do with uh, taking care of others. And the commitment or the follow-through in accountability has everything to do with taking care of the institution. I spoke about shared consciousness uh, to understand the purpose behind our warfighting communities. And now when you translate to the operational realm, when now you have the autonomy to take risk because of that trust that has been earned. Now let's talk about shared accountability and why that is tremendously important. And so in the special operations community, we apply it at every echelon of command. And, and we speak about it being on the account, you know, when an operation is taking place. So from the highest ranking officer all the way to the ground force commander or the tactical commander on the ground, there are certain levels of operational responsibilities that are assumed by these commanders. But their intervention is primarily to enable the mission to make very critical decisions, whether it's go, no go, or abort, but it's all in support of the warfighter. And why this is important is it accounts for good, bad, and ugly outcomes. So when we exercise shared accountability, it's what the word implies. We are sharing accountability at every echelon. Captain Frank Frankie, a lot to think about. Great talk. Thank you for joining us on Radio Stockdale. No, thank you, Michael. It was an absolute uh, privilege. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.